Well, hello, everyone, our dear friends and listeners. You're in for a treat today. Welcome to another week of the most interesting podcast in the universe. TV channeling. Yes. See, I took it down this, uh, a, a thousand this time, Kevin, instead of saying the best in the universe. Even Just most interesting. Feel. That's not that yes. big of a deal. We're not we're not full of ourselves by saying that. Not at all. Not at all. Well, let me introduce myself once again. Not like you don't know who I am. I'm Tachi. And I am Kevin. And this is going to be a fun and really interesting show, I think, if we do say so ourselves. Because this week, not only are we giving you a review of a brand new show, FX's Fosse and uh, Verdon, we're also going to be uh, inspired by the show about dance and dancers. And we're going to give you our top five TV moments and dance, like just phenomenal dance moves and dance moments that happen on TV, our top five. So for some of us, choosing this list was easier than others of us. So I guess the some of us in the team that are actual dancers and some of us aren't. So some of us might have had a rougher time. So it's going to be interesting to hear what we both chose when we get to that part of the show. Is this a dig at me, Kevin? <laughs> Not at all. No, I'm actually saying that your list is going to be very impressive. Mine is going to be getting all kinds of side eyes. Somehow so. I don't feel that's the case. You always <laughs> um, say this and then you impress with these obscure things. Well, I never thought about that one. Well, so. we'll we'll see if I can make it happen again. The odds are odd. Not in my favor today. So oh, <laughs> <laughs> let's start off by talking about FX's Fosse and Verdon. Let me tell you guys a little bit about it. All right. It's an in Inside look at the romantic and creative partnership between influential choreographer and director Bob Fosse and Gwen Verdon, one of the greatest Broadway dancers of all time. All right, Tachi, so what did you think of this really unusual show? <laughs> I like how you said really unusual show. Well, this isn't the kind of thing we don't normally have like a drama that's focusing on the careers of uh, two dancers. Not only is it a period piece, it's a piece about marriage. It's a piece about show business. It's a it's a piece about creative envy. I think one of the biggest uh, components of it, because Bob Fosse, according to this, is... The creative real drive behind what makes, you know, what we think of as being Bob Fosse. And for those of you who don't know off, off the top of your heads and you hear the name, Bob Fosse is the choreographer and he's known for things like Chicago. He's known for Sweet Charity. He's known for the directing uh, the film version as well of uh, uh, cabaret. So that very sexual, very sexy, grinding, very purposeful movement um, that we're known for, that, that people may uh, know him for. A lot of us who weren't really deep into the dance world didn't even really hadn't even heard the name Gwen Verdon, who is his uh, some might say long suffering wife, and um, and others might say actually the real creative force. Uh, but uh, his name seems to have lived on, whereas her name outside the dance world 
Uh, I'm sure in the dance world, people know that name because she was actually the star of Sweet Charity, apparently, on on Broadway. But she was not cast in the the film that was eventually made uh, of the musical. And uh, so it's kind of um, interesting to get a look into this particular character. I need to mention she's played by Michelle Williams and uh sam rockwell uh oscar winner sam rockwell i think i can also say uh, isn't oscar uh, michelle williams i think is also an oscar winner anyway, i think i believe you're correct yeah, oscar winners <laughs> michelle williams and sam rockwell um as bob fossey so what did you think of the show well i as you know as you mentioned i am a dancer and so being in the dance world, I'm very familiar with Bob Fosse's work. You know, it started as a dancer and again, eventually became also a director. So I'm very familiar with his choreography, that kind of sexy, sultry stuff. Because, and you know, I usually try and surprise Kevin. So he had, one thing I inadvertently slipped and told him that in high school I was in our production of Chicago so that was something obviously that was uh, choreographed and then directed the film version version by um by uh, Fosse but I also he also did choreography for how to succeed in business without really trying which was the first musical I was ever in okay well first of all there's a couple things Chicago is a very sexy show for what sexy high school did you go to? <laughs> it was a Catholic high school at that. It Where was you guys ca- are like grinding and stuff. <laughs> no, okay, so let me tell you what we had to do. Because it was a Catholic high school, we had to be very aware of what we were doing. So we had to change some choreography. Miss Wiegand, who was our, our drama teacher, uh, and was I believe she had performed on Broadway before she had to kind of change things around so it would be acceptable and some of the you know the things they sing like we couldn't say the word boobs so she said what you're going to do is you're just going to snap when it <laughs> you know what's funny that's what they uh, on, when, when I love when they do when the, an edited version of certain rap songs where they just put a clap in when there's and it'll just be a series of claps like and then but you said ho but you know the funny thing is they do that now with that song um you know we're both of us are not fans of the n-word but you know that song by snoop dogg living my best life yes it's like i ain't going back and forth with you 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 <laughs> instead of saying the word so they they we had to do the radio edit wow so you're yeah your your teacher was way ahead of her time she was editing rap songs <laughs> yeah, exactly the song was actually you know the song that they sing roxy hart the name on everybody's lips is gonna be roxy we had to say we did for boobs so wow. <laughs> yeah oh my god well that, oh what about the isn't the mama morton song really full of sexual innuendo yeah i'm trying to remember how we <laughs> how did you get along with that yeah. one because isn't that all about like lesbian stuff so interesting we changed it not so much but the mannerisms a lot of it has to do with the dancing and the yeah the attitude all because there's the so attitude. much grinding and bending over very slowly and deliberately oh the, yeah there was no slow deliberate bending over at all (laughs) 
in our production. In fact, I'm very surprised that the uh, Catholic Diocese said okay to Chicago. She, they probably had to promise all sorts of things to the winds and the moons and the heavens. For oh my, and that just to and the costumes too. So so much. Oh yeah. no, our costumes were they were flapper like costumes. That's what we did because it was it took place in the 1920s. We didn't do the fossilized version of it. Oh okay. We just wore like flapper dresses. All right. Okay. Yeah. So in any case, I that that is my connection. Not not like I knew him, but that say, is you're, my you're six, again. You're six degrees of separation. Exactly. So you're connected to, to Bob Fosse as well. Exactly. You know this this would be more like a hundred degrees. Well, well you sure know, my everybody. connection. I'm, I I have to say just for actually for once, I'm going to shock you, Tanchi. I also have a connection to Bob Fosse. Strangely oh, please enough. do tell. I once had a Chicago style pizza. So yeah. <laughs> You've been clock blocked. <laughs> All right. That didn't even warrant a response. <laughs> oh wow. You know, I I was killing it in Poughkeepsie. They loved it there. Well anyway, um <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm a Poughkeepsie fans. Where you at? Anyway, um, so <laughs> back to the show. <laughs> no, it's Kevin. You're so, so hood. Anyway, <laughs> I was raised on the streets of Poughkeepsie. Anyway, um, so, <laughs> so okay, let's start. What did you think of Michelle Williams' performance? Because what's interesting to me is Michelle Williams is you can recognize her face basically, but she's. Her voice, I don't know how she's doing it, but she sounds like a completely different person. Yes, I I think that she is really, really... Let me just talk about, before I talk about Michelle Williams' performance, just the fact that, you know how you have period pieces and it feels like it's a period piece. This, to me, actually feels like it was shot in the 60s slash 70s. That's how period-y... <laughs> <laughs> period yeah that they that they got with this they got it right in terms of the tone and the feel and obviously when we're talking about cinema there there are differences in in the quality of the film and film stock and things in fact this is probably shot digitally so uh, there's going to be vast differences in terms of the look of the f uh, film but you get so lost in the the world the diegesis of the whole thing that you don't pay attention to it actually feels like it was shot back then and part of it is because to me it took a, a minute for it to get going and if you notice there are a lot of films and this also had a very film-like feel as opposed to a uh, television series it felt like a film this actually could have been a film uh, like a biopic so, and I know it was based off of the book Fosse, but it, this actually could have been a biopic. And I think that they, the casting for this was spot on. Michelle Williams, she just, she, she does embody, and not like I know um, the character very well or the person very well, but to me, she feels like she embodies her spirit. Oh yeah, I'm I'm totally getting that. Michelle Williams is giving you so much. And one thing I really love about this, if if you're a lover of creatives, you know, people that do creative things, this is I love seeing the process and how people's minds work. And what's really interesting is seeing uh Gwen Verdon 
explain to the dancers at the beginning in one of the early scenes where they're actually filming the musical version uh the film version of sweet charity and we're seeing uh uh michelle williams as uh gwen explain to a dancer why she's doing what she's doing because she, she just thinks oh this is just it, it's choreography she goes no there's a reason why you're you've been working you've been on your feet in these heels for hours and the reason why your leg is up on this bar like this because you're taking some weight off your other foot and she's explaining to her about who she is and why she's doing what she does and how that changes the movement everything is so purposeful and we thought that was about bob fossey but it looks like it also was if not only and it was only about Gwen Verdon her eye for detail is so interesting to see how it plays out and there's scenes uh, later in the first episode because that's another thing we're reviewing the pilot episode um, which was 90 minutes and um, it's amazing to me just to see how purposeful she was in everything and have her explain to like even down to something like she goes when you're doing that shoulder roll she goes that come hither thing she goes you know it's a con you don't mm-hmm. feel anything you're doing that you know what this is a con. let it show and just like wow just like everything and then to see the scene play out and uh uh sweet charity if if you haven't seen it it's something you need to see because it's a it's a musical about like a prostitute with a heart of gold because they all do in, mu- in musicals anyway but <laughs> but anyway it is an incredible it has something really incredible uh choreography and uh things i think people hadn't seen before and i saw some of it uh recently and i couldn't get over how fresh it looked um how timely it almost seemed even though you know it was done decades ago Mm, exactly it's very timely it really really is and you know you get an interesting look into the into bob fossey's mind into his world as well because uh, honestly again i knew his work but i didn't know um, a lot about him as an individual and as a person so obviously they're going to take some creative liberties with this but i think it's really interesting to get a, a look into this because dance in this sense, it's not something that is always explored. Dance is a huge part of entertainment, has always been a huge part of film and television, but it's not really explored except like in a competition type way, or, you know, there, there's not a lot about dance out there, you know? So I think this was, this was interesting to, to look at dance in this light. Not only, it, it's, it's not even just about dance. It's it's about them. It's about their relationship. It's about their relationship to Hollywood so far, anyway. Oh yeah, no. To me, what's interesting about about it is it's a it's about the show is about a marriage. It's about a creative partnership. It's about the relationship with uh, Hollywood, as you're saying. People that are on Broadway have always had a tense, kind of uneasy. Uh, relationship with Hollywood because you know normally what happens is you'll have a huge Broadway show and somebody will be an, a star on Broadway and then when they decide to make it into a movie they don't cast the person who made the role famous and you know got standing ovations every night for three years they will cast an actor or somebody with a bigger name um you know that isn't a broadway star but a hollywood star and so there's that kind of tension and there's tension as far as in even with sweet charity which was interesting at one point we see to make sure this is a drama this is not some light fluffy kind of uh 
uh, confection kind of musical if you're thinking you're going to get like a Glee kind of thing. This is not that. Because at one point no. we see Bob Fosse uh, being so upset and so shaken by the bad box office for Sweet Charity and the horrible reviews, he fantasizes about committing suicide. Uh, um, he's that, you know, taken back by it. And so what makes it even more of a defeat is the fact that he didn't follow his true vision. There were things that the Hollywood wanted in the musical. There were words that they, they, they said that couldn't be said because this is a gritty story about a prostitute. But they had he had to change things for Hollywood. And um, in the end, they basically accused him of, like, you know, turning uh, Manhattan uh, uh, into Disneyland. And uh, and so it, it's interesting you know, I had no idea. I wasn't around when the movie came out, so I didn't know that it was badly reviewed. Because when I watched it on TCM a few years ago, I thought it was like a masterpiece. So, so I had no idea at the time. And that's another thing. Lots of times things will age well where people will look back on it and, and just assume. Like, there's certain things like, you know, uh, The Wizard of Oz was, not, was reviewed badly when it initially came out. Nobody thinks about that now. It's just a timeless classic. Exactly, exactly. There are th- Like you said, there are things that age well and sometimes things that are ahead of their time. And so they may not get it back then, but after some years have passed. And then, you know, there's always that cult following. So that cult following will be the ones that kind of push it in you know keep it alive push it into the stratosphere i think about all the okay one of my favorite christmas movies a christmas story that's not something that was really highly reviewed it was simply because of the cult following it had that uh pushed it into a, a timeless classic basically. no exactly exactly no when yeah the, initially the people that were seeing it were not feeling it it didn't make money and then years of, you know it took it takes years of people loving it and, and passing it on and sharing with family and friends and it becomes people realize how incredible it was and i agree with uh, with bob fossey i think a lot of it um uh, was ahead of its time people weren't quite ready for what it was and the interesting thing is that a lot of people wouldn't realize today especially if you're really young that so many things that you're seeing are influenced by bob fossey and gwen uh, verdon so many of the moves that you see so many different things in videos and this isn't a new thing but if you want to get an idea a capsulized idea of what the kind of choreography this is and how sexy it is you gotta go to youtube and look up cold-hearted snake by um uh, paul abdul because that music video is a tribute to the kind of the choreography of Bob Fosse and Gwen Verdon. And and you'll get in three minutes you'll get an idea of just like, whoa, that is sexual. So. And Paula Abdul, that makes sense. And Paula Abdul has a dance background, so I'm sure she appreciates the brilliance of Foss, Fossey. So it no, it's sense. a it's a it's a brilliant tribute to him and uh, Gwen's work, and it's a very sexy video. So check it out. It is it is a timeless video classic. It really is. You know, leave it to us to f- find something sexy for you to review. You love that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not even the summertime because normally we at here at uh, TV channel we try to keep it uh you know above board all the rest of the year until summertime when the sexy the 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 bad girls of summer come out and they're when they're (laughs) when you're a bad girl of summer you're normally pretty sexy for god of heavens (laughs) 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 anyway anyway, or maybe just badness is sexy they're the bad girls of spring 
That doesn't sound as sexy. I know, it doesn't work. It, it doesn't only really, work. You can only really be a bad girl of summer. Can you be a bad girl of autumn? <laughs> <laughs> now, you, can't, you can't be that bad while you're wearing a sweater, can you? When you're I, wearing a cardigan, you can't be that bad. <laughs> Not a cardigan. The bad, <laughs> bad girls of the winter solstice. <laughs> Oh boy. <laughs> okay. We're 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 not drinking, really. <laughs> I know. We've totally digressed from what we were talking about. Okay, so back to the back to uh the pilot. So um we go from the making of Sweet Charity and the fact that it turns out to be a uh, critically panned and a, a financial bomb for the movie studio. We uh move on to uh uh Bob Fosse doing everything he can trying to get another job because he's now been considered box office poison and we move on to him weaseling his way into uh directing a movie that he was too good to direct initially but now that he's box office poison he's just like yeah i'll take anything and so he's gonna direct this little uh uh arty um uh, musical called Cabaret and um, we see this actress uh, take on Liza Minnelli and her name is Kelly uh, Barrett and she embodies Liza Minnelli. Yes, it's actually she does. kind of almost creepy. It's almost like they would somebody got a time machine, went back, grabbed the real Liza Minnelli, circa like nineteen uh, sixty or something, and transported her into a set and like filmed it with her. It's spooky how much she's like her. All I have to say, central casting, you did a hell of a job yeah, in they selecting. Did, they did the thing as yes. far as casting goes in this particular show. Absolutely, absolutely. So what did you, okay, one thing I know you like to do, sir, is House Hunters International in every <laughs> film. What did you think of their abode? Well, their apartment, one of the things that was interesting, we see a scene where the, uh, it, it took me back to my childhood where um, their daughter is wandering through a party. I don't know if you have flashbacks that when you were a kid, being like, you know, uh, adults having a party and you being the only kid there and like wandering through the party and like going and snagging some snacks uh, from the party. So it was kind of interesting to see that. And it was, a, you could tell instantly they had money because they're, you had to, that girl wanders through that apartment. You can't wander through a new york apartment unless you have major bank yes even back then even back then no they they clearly had some money uh and they were successful to be able to have an apartment like that so that apartment was pretty nice a pretty nice digs if i do say so uh, as far as a, a, a i guess a late 60s no early 60s uh era kind of apartment that kind of um what's that mid-century modern which i actually do love mid-century modern looking stuff absolutely absolutely so yeah you are paying a pretty piece of um change and i believe that i think they lived on the upper east side which is basically where you know the well-to-do live at the now all of new york is there is no such thing as a non-well-to-do area no, when it comes there to is that not, island even even the place you know you're talking about like you know what what um Red Hook and stuff. You're like Red Hook is like, oh yeah, now yuppies, not yuppies. Um, hipsters live there. Wow. So you know, every place has been gentrified to death. But back then, the Upper East Side was a place that you really wanted to be. Yeah, no, it's it, they they really are giving you the vibe of so many things. One other thing I want to talk about is the. For those of you who love staging and like you know when it comes to plays. 
one of the interesting things is they'll do things where they play with the foreground and the background uh, in really interesting ways. Uh, when uh, Bob is trying to get a job after the flop that was Sweet Charity, um, he's in a restaurant and he's talking to someone trying to convince them to hire him, if for, not even to, to direct, but just to do the choreography for the for us, uh, for the movie um cabaret uh, cabaret and as he's talking about his past and being in the because he's, he's accused of being all flash and he can't do anything of substance anything deep or gritty and so he starts telling us the story or telling the person he's trying to get this job from the story of being in the military being a sailor when he was 20 and somebody getting their fat of their face blown off and all the stuff that uh, that happened and as he's talking the the camera moves around um uh, uh, and we're seeing past the restaurant to that memory yes. of the younger him. And it was incredibly beautifully done. And then the camera swings around at the end of the story and we're and we're completely back in the restaurant. It, it was so beautifully executed. And there was another moment that's similar to that where when he's flashing back uh, or we move forward in time, the the the. The show keeps going back and forth in time, and it and it does this thing where it gives these little cards that say it says like it'll say like eight years left, three years left, and then the last thing we see in the first episode is like eight minutes left, and we flash forward. So I don't know what we're counting down to exactly, but it's going to apparently be a very big moment when we get there. Well, I that's what that's the thing that I love this countdown. It's so obscure; we're not sure what it's for, but you're looking forward to. I'm like, what the hell is this countdown? Yeah, is it, is it to his death or is, is it yes. like a lifetime achievement award? Is it is him finally getting recognition for his work? Because like one of the things that's interesting to me about the show is. When you have a partnership with somebody, especially when it's a romantic partnership as well as creative, clearly he wants to have success or wants to prove to himself as well as the world that his success is not dependent on his wife. So when he gets the job for Cabaret, he basically tells his wife that he's going to be doing this on his own and he's off to Germany to film it. But problems arise Things aren't working out, and eventually he is forced to call his wife to ask for her to come to Germany and help him. And what was the the what's really speaks to who he is as a person? A he hated to do it, and you see him struggle. He picks up the phone, puts down the phone, picks up the phone, puts down the phone several times before he has to, you know, put his tail between his legs and call her. But what's What's even more sinister about this particular scene, this call, because he's in bed, he's he's, sit, he's sitting on the edge of the bed, and he's he's struggling to make this call. Uh, and as he makes the call and he hangs up the phone, the camera turns around and we see that the woman that he's been cheating on his wife with on the set, he started having an affair with the, uh, uh, the, what do you call it? The interpreter. Interpreter. Uh, interpreter. Mm-hmm. And... She is literally lying in bed next to him as he's asking his wife to drop everything in her life and come to Germany to save his ass. The, yeah, you, uh, well, now, remember, she had already been to Germany. So she was there. They needed this gorilla suit. Remember? Oh, no, no, no. No, that's the second time. No, the first time. Oh, you're calls, talking about the first time. Yeah, okay. the first that when, when he calls and asks her for help, she dropped to drop everything. We, we get the reveal that he's actually in bed with this, you know, side piece. While he's asking her for help, you, yes. you at least have the decency to like not do it in the presence. He of is your... with his side piece. That's where decency ends. 
<laughs> so oh, speaking of decency ending, um, uh, one of the parts that's interesting is when he first makes his move on uh, the interpreter, he uh, uh, goes to kiss her, and then after he uh, kisses her, she says, I have a boyfriend. And his response is, I won't hold that against you. And then she responds, you're married. And he says, uh, you know, we're on another continent. I think there's a special exemption for that, right? And then they are off to the races. They just start going to Bone Town. See, it's like, and, and these are the things that, it, that make him so interesting, but make him like, you are an absolute Fool. Okay, now let's be real here, Tachi. I'm not talking about you. So if you, if you're uh, you know uh, the man in your life listening to this, I'm not talking about Tachi. But I, no. saw, <laughs> I saw a study somewhere that said that the most promiscuous uh, uh, profession is dancer. And so it's like I think after dancer, it's like a professional athlete or something. It's just like, so oh my you, gosh, really? Yes, it was shocking. So just like, uh, so when you think about it, just like okay, dancers, everybody, like okay, a everybody smoking hot, and if they're not, and not only are they hot, they're all super crazy flexible. You're like writhing <laughs> around. You're all writhing around each other all day. <laughs> you're all and- wearing like little tight things or almost nothing, grinding on each other all day. How do you just keep that just on stage? You know that spills off of stage. There's a lot of personal contact that, that a happens. Lot. <laughs> and, but, you know, off of just the, the gratuitous sex thing, there are an awful lot of marriages that come out of that, too. Uh, yeah, and a lot of marriages, I'm sure, that probably end, I'm sure. too. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, and if you think about it, when you're a professional dancer for, like, eight hours a day, that is what you're doing. So you're spending the bulk of your time with your company mates or your cast mates, depending on what. So there is really very little time to meet people outside of that unless you were with someone before you became, you know, a full-time dancer or whatever the case is. So there, your your world is dance when you are a, are a professional dancer, especially if you're like in a company and you're traveling. That's what you do. So who else are you with? And also anybody anybody you meet that that's outside the dance company, again, isn't going to be as flexible or have as much endurance. So. Exactly. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> And then on the serious side, they may not understand the dance world. There is a lot to it. You know, again, you're dedicating a lot of your time. You're in rehearsals a lot. Uh, for you, that is your job. But because some other people don't view the arts as a job, they think it's a hobby, they're not going to get when you're like, well, we have rehearsal today. Oh, well, you can't know which. That's my job. You know, so it's, it's, it's a really difficult world to navigate with non-dancers, which is why dancers end up hooking up wait a minute so so not only are they insanely flexible and have tons and tons of stamina but they're also more understanding about your career choice too how can you not be constantly having sex wow it all makes sense now okay (laughs) i have i have solved the why dancers are so slutty uh riddle so i figured it out Wow, wow, well, the views expressed by Kevin are not necessarily <laughs> Tachi's views. Oh, you know what? They're the bad dancers of summer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness, goodness, goodness. Well, I, okay, so I, I just want to um, put out there also this this whole um, this whole complexity be behind their relationship because it's like, and it's, it, she is 
so awesome on her own as well. You know, Fosse is Fosse. She is who she is. And together they make magic. But she also has an identity. But what happens is that it's almost like this guilty feeling. Because remember when she called before she, she found out that he got the gig for Cabaret, she had called the um, agent or yeah, manager, she was trying, one of she's, them. She's behind the scenes trying to make machinations, trying to make things happen. And the truth right. is, if it were today, I think that her her name would be the one that we would know more so more than so Fosse. Exactly. It's because of the fact that she was trying to stay behind him and trying to keep his ego you know, not not a go after his ego because they even say in one of the uh, uh, reviews that's in the in the New York Times about the failure of Sweet Charity, the musical, uh, the film musical, is the fact that she wasn't in it, exactly, and that it was a mistake not to have her. That she was the real, she was the thing that made that that show worth seeing. And so he goes, even when you're not in it, you're still the star. Exactly, exactly. And you know what, that that, that whole thing of uh, the ego is real in, in that case. And so she tries to, to hang back, whether purposely or inadvertently, she hangs back to kind of let him shine. Because there was another moment when she they were telling the par- story at the party where um, he was called Miss, Mr. Verdon. Yeah, you exactly. That? Yeah, so, yeah. So it, it is no. It's about creative jealousy. I actually yeah. want that. That is to me at the core of even what I think with him cheating on her. Well, plus he's a yes. dancer, so you know he's going to be a slut. But ah! <laughs> the music expressed by Kevin. <laughs> I love dancers. Anyway, um, anyway, but the it's the it's the fact that he can't deal with the fact that she is so much more creative and talented than he is. He he can't just use her talent and be like we're working together. No, it just he resents the fact that he can't do it without her. Even though, and he, I think he knows what we, as the audience, know that she could do it without him. Yes, but he can't do it without her. And the one thing he can control and do without her is have sex with somebody else. And so that's exactly what he does. Oh, another speaking, another thing. Talk about slaps in the face, and we, and of course, they have kind of a cliffhanger, so we don't see how exactly it all ends up. But. Um, they're, uh, uh, speaking to the great performance that Mich- uh, Michelle Williams is giving, there is a moment once she gets to Germany, she's talking with one of the people on set about what's going on with the movie. One of the higher ups that's there to kind of keep an eye on her husband. And she just does a quick glance at the room and out of the corner of her eye. She sees her husband put his hand in the small of the back of the interpreter and she instantly know we see it wash over her face for a second and then she's back to playing the happy dutiful wife she puts it away and then what happens is there's an argument on the set about getting a a, a gorilla costume they need for a for a, a scene and so she's actually taking upon herself to go fly back to new york to find the right costume and then fly back to germany and so when she's going to leave to go to try and get this costume, she says to her husband, she, and she just says, uh, before I get back, and he goes, and he just, he knows, he looks and he goes, uh, it, uh, it'll, okay, and not shakes his head yes. So basically, in other words, get rid of her. Exactly. Get rid of her. Or that and, witch better not be here. When exactly. She better not be back. But then after she flies to New York and gets the perfect gorilla costume and comes back, she knocks on the door 
and he's in bed with still got that interpreter in there not my, interpreting nothing my thing is like that is real audacity you know when she's coming back you know at least the day she's coming back don't have her there don't have her at all but i mean that's just really as after she flew back um, well, back to the uh, to New York is about six hours. So you know she. That's flew a twelve back. hour round trip, though. That's right. a lot to pick up one thing, and that's another thing. As talented as she is, they couldn't. No one else could be trusted to do this. She's going to do this, and she. That's another thing. She's the kind of person. She doesn't have the kind of ego he has. Is completely different from who she is because for her, it's all about the art. It's what ends up on the screen, what ends up on the stage, and if she has to go somewhere to make it happen, she'll go there. But for him, it's all about his ego, and he would not go on an errand to go find the perfect costume, but she would, and that speaks to who she is. And then all she asked is like, "Please don't have that skank that you're sleeping with here." when i get back and she's still there when he gets when she gets back after flying 12 hours to make him look good that monkey suit would have been crushed to <laughs> where's your mo- monkey suit now that's <laughs> oh my god well, okay i think it's time for uh for me to ask you the question that you know i love to ask before i get clock blocked all right uh <laughs> so touchy so, Taji, when it comes to Fosse and Verdon, FX's Fosse and Verdon, are you going to give it, uh, are you going to keep, or wait, are you going to, what is our rating system? Are you, you going to keep are watching? You, are you going to tune in or are you going to change the channel? I'm going to continue to watch because I'm curious about this countdown. I now feel invested in the story. Like I said, it took a minute for it to pick up some steam, but once it did, it really did. And it's so complex, so interesting. So yes, I'm going to keep watching and I'll ask the same of you when it comes to this wonderful show, Fosse Verdon on FX, are you going to keep watching or change the channel? Now, okay, honestly, I was teetering because I was uh the way this show was kind of sold was gonna we're gonna learn more about her than him because there actually was a movie about Bob Fosse called All That Jazz. Yes. So he um he's always been out there. We've always heard we've heard of him. Uh and I had never heard of her, honestly, which I, I, I is a travesty. But anyway, I've never heard of her. So if you love art, you should have I should have heard of her. So I feel bad. But anyway, so the the more of the show was focused on him I'm hoping that subsequent episodes will focus more on her and her background, and it won't just be about uh, her through the lens of him. So um, I, I, that's what I'm curious about. But the ending, you're right, it did pick up. At the beginning, it felt like it was moving pretty slow, and I was just like, oh, no. But by the end, the whole thing about her coming to the door and him still having that skank in bed with him, I'm just like, what's going to happen? What? Where is it going to go? So I, I will definitely at least watch the next episode. I don't know if I watched the whole series because I believe it's eight uh, eight episodes and, and they're billing it now as a limited series. Okay. So I guess it depends on how successful it is, if there's going to be a season two or not, or if it's meant to just be a standalone eight hours of television. But I will definitely be watching the next episode. So I am t- uh, I'm going to stay tuned tentatively. There you have it tentative uh, staying tuned all right so now we're going into something that we have never done here on tv channeling before we're going into the world of dance so um <laughs> jazz dance hands. scene jazz hands so anyway what we're gonna do is we're gonna count down our top five favorite moments of dance in television 
All right, Tachi, so what is your number five pick? Okay, so just to clarify, it's moments or television shows, so it could be either. It can be moments or TV, just where we were inspired by dance, because this is all inspired by the incredible choreography of Fosse and Verdon. We're going to look at all of our our thoughts on what are, what are, the, what are the moments of dance in television, uh, either in shows or moments that stuck with us. Absolutely. So this is uh, what I'm about to tell you is more OTT over the top quote new media. I am uh, my number five is the Beyonce's performance at Coachella in this uh, this past year 2018. Did you see it? Yes, I did see that performance. I actually saw parts of both versions of it where she changed. Uh, I think the second week she did she changed the color. She of wore her pink, right? Right. So the first one was um, gold and the second one was pink. Now, as you know, it's not like, you know, how there's some Beyonce stands where every performance, no matter where she performs, whether it's Munich or whatever, they are there. That's not me. But I was interested to see this because of the theme. So I really thought that it was um, just powerful. And it wasn't just the dance itself. It was the entire Everything that the weight was put together, it was a performance. So that dance performance, I think, is my number five. And that's surprising, again, because it's not like I'm a huge Beyonce stan. I think she's great and fine at what she does, but I'm not, you know, a beehive person. But I thought that she really did a great job with this. So that's my number five. What? Well, I'm shocked that you're saying great and she's fine or whatever, but wow. All right. No, 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 no. <laughs> I don't mean it like that. I mean, she's, she's phenomenal. Okay. No, I don't mean it like, see, you're trying to get the beehive after me and I will not. All I, right. That's not how, I think she is She is a phenomenal entertainer. Um, and so, but the, the dance aspect of it was really just beyond. It was really great. So that's my five. Uh, producers, could you please play back the take where she said she's fine? What? Wait, anyway. You can't do it right now? All right. Well, people just, you know what? You, you can slide back and listen to that again. But anyway, we'll see. All right. So You can't see my face. So I'm just going to ask you what your number five is. All right. Um, it's kind of spooky how we're on the same page, it seems like, uh, or at least pretty close to the same page, because my number five is a tie. And I'm going to try to break the tie as we speak. I mean, I was working on my list to the literally the, as as we're recording. I'm still working on my list. It's so it's so hard for me to come up with. So again, I'm not a dancer. So which is probably why I'm not as slutty as you might think I would be. But anyway, all right. So um, <laughs> it's Excuse a tie me. between two. <laughs> it's a tie between two Super Bowl performances. Oh, and um, one uh, the one Super Bowl performance uh, in 2016 that was uh, it was actually Coldplay's halftime show. But Beyonce made an appearance, and it was the first time that she got into formation. Mm. And she had that hot sauce in her handbag swag, and she, and she took it out, and she sprinkled that hot sauce all over the stage, and she stole focus from Coldplay. So, there's that performance versus uh, uh, Katy Perry's Super Bowl halftime show in 2015, where her shine was stolen by one left shark 
because there were two sharks that were dancing alongside of her uh during teenage dream and the, the right shark was like had the moves down knew his choreography but left shark was all like you know what i'm over i'm left of center i'm gonna do my own thing and <laughs> left shark was raking it down in a very odd way but america loved it and oh, that's that shark wormed his way into all our hearts and people were going as left shark for halloween and <laughs> just left shark was everything it was on t-shirts i was all about where left was shark. i when this was happening i have no idea where you were we hadn't come into each other's lives yet apparently but i was all about left shark left shark touched my heart so the question is who will get my number five will it be beyonce stealing focus from coldplay or will it be left shark stealing focus from uh katie perry and right shark <laughs> <laughs> no no right shark did not steal focus right shark was a backup dancer in true form he had his choreography down left shark was all like i'm gonna do some interpretive dancing here i'm gonna, do, I'm gonna go my you know, own. that's what i'm saying that left shark stole thunder from both of them oh okay he, he <laughs> yeah. stole, from, stole focus from both of them yes so you know what i mean it was close. Beyonce really did the thing when she got into the formation and then she jumped back and jumped back up and she almost fell and she got back up. But left shark again, people did not put Beyonce on, on t-shirts and dresses her in formation uh, at the, at Super Bowl for Halloween. So I got to give it to left sharks for having my number five dance moment because a halloweenable costume is the true determination <laughs> that is the of true a good dancer <laughs> well for me it is <laughs> i'm gonna let you have that one okay no but that's interesting again i i i don't give two dams about football good for the sport but i really don't care so it has to be somebody like oh before i watch the halftime show usually and so i don't think i watched that year with Katy perry was she wearing wow. white yeah, no, she had several outfits, and she wore white. She she came out on it. She got on a giant. She was on a giant uh, lion. Was she flying? War. She did some flying. Too, okay, I think, I, think I remember you firework. Yeah, okay, I remember seeing the firework performance. That I did see, and then I think I was too busy eating snacks after. But um, yeah, okay, okay, that's a good one. That's a really good one, and I like that you were conflicted between two artificial moments. Great. Anyway. <laughs> artificial moments. Those were real moments where the f focus was stolen from the, who was supposed to be fo the focus was supposed to be on and was stolen by dan the dance of someone else. I'm letting you have that. Okay. And I actually believe if, if Beyonce was doing information and then Left Shark was in the background, we, would, we wouldn't even be looking at Beyonce like, look, what is Left Shark over there doing? <laughs> Left Shark would be fired. Anyway. <laughs> He would just quietly side, go away. The well, the funny side away. thing is, Katy Perry actually uh, uh, tried to uh, patent Left Shark because it turned into such a big thing. She wanted to actually have Left... She wanted to get that that sweet, sweet cash for all the Left Shark merchandise. Really? And so she actually... Yeah, she was like, um, no, Left Shark is because of me, people. And like, no, give that money to Left Shark because it's all about Left Shark, people. That's crazy. Wow. Hmm. Okay, then. So, you have a question to ask? Okay, me? what is your number four pick, Tanji? <laughs> Thank you. You're so into Left Shark, you've forgotten about what's going on here. Okay, so my number four pick is a show from the, I guess it's uh, it's from the 80s. So maybe it started in the 70s. I have to look and see the late 70s. Solid Gold. The Solid oh Gold dancers were everything and then some. I learned 
the entire routine because it came on Saturdays, right? And I learned the entire routine. And then they went and changed it. I said, oh, well, I guess I have to go into choreography rehearsal again because I need to learn this routine. I loved the Solid Gold Dancers. So for those of you that don't know, Solid Gold was a variety show, basically. They had um, artists they hosted by a myriad of people. Uh, Marilyn McCoo was a host at one point. Dionne Warwick was a host. Uh, Andy Gibb was a host. So I think those were the three, or am I missing one? No, I think that's about right. But I think what people need to know about the show was the music is magic. <laughs> you know you can catch you it. You can catch it. <laughs> and slowly... It turns into gold. To gold. Slowly it turns into gold. Solid gold. Filling up my life with music. Solid gold. Putting rhythm in my soul. Rhythm in my soul. There's a song that's unwheeling. It fits the way that I'm feeling. My head keeps spinning spinning to music. Spinning to gold. Solid gold. <laughs> We're old, yo. We are oh old. Oh my god. I hope okay, I hope we don't get sued. <laughs> you know what? Maybe I'll do boom during the editing. We'll just put some <laughs> <laughs> something over it because we are not distort. paying any kind of residuals we we, 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 we we don't have it anyway so try as you might solid gold corporation or whoever owns you so. and we have a we have a crack legal team here they will destroy you mm, okay you might not want to say that too loudly it was a loving tribute it was we it was a parody of uh solid gold so you can't actually sue us it was a parody it would have been if we sang it like country music style. Anyway, <laughs> so that my is mine. My head keeps spinning the music, spinning the gold. Okay. okay. <laughs> Not spinning the gold. Um, okay. Off of spinning the gold on the soul, uh, the uh, solid gold train, on to what is your number four, Kevin? Oh, I do want to say something quick about this yeah, show. Yeah, I'm that sorry. People go don't ahead. Know. Uh, okay, the, they had these regular dancers, and the dancers became stars. And what they would what they would do, they would be dancing background and doing numbers during some of the performances when different artists would come out. They come out and dance with them like background dancers. But then also there'd be a countdown of like the top. 10 songs of that week so they'd be like and number eight is you know blank and then they would yes. do, little, they'd do like a short like one of the the lead dancer was darcel and she would come out there and she would do this like quick little like you know 30 second little dance routine to part of the song that was you know number five and it was everything yes. i wish someone would reimagine and bring back solid gold because those dancers were and, and also when you just think about how slutty they must have been it must have been in the 80s and 90s wow they must have been having some good times <laughs> wow you and this slutty dancer thing <laughs> I, I i just report the news i told there was a study that said this this isn't this isn't kevin saying this this is these are scientists and that's another thing. What? How did they actually do that study? By the way, that must have been fun. We're looking for the sluttiest professions. <laughs> I know what 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 uh, data did they gather? I'm, right. I'm just imagining somebody just with a, well, wearing nothing but a lab coat and a clipboard. That's all they have on as they're doing this study. <laughs> that's a nasty lab. <laughs> Don't make spin into go. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> Spinning the gold, tell me your number four. Yeah, my number four is um, I'm gonna I I gotta go with um uh let's see um I'm gonna go with 
The Office, uh, uh, on the on the show, The Office, the American version of The Office, Jim and Pam's wedding dance. Did you happen to see that episode? My I name? did see that episode. Yeah, so that actually touches Wait. on not one but two things. So okay. at the time, at the time when this uh, when the wedding episode aired, there was a phenomenon that was brand new at the time, where people were uh, uh, the very first people to do this. That actually are film it. They had an elaborate walking down the aisle dance where everybody all of a sudden they're playing the wedding march and then all of a sudden they scra- record scratch they start playing some like you know pop song i think it was who was that song by i can't remember who it was but i believe the song was uh by either usher or somebody like usher anyway some song and they start dancing down the aisle and just breaking it down all the way down the aisle so they uh th- so the whole thing is pam does not she's telling me i don't don't you play that song i don't want to do that I don't care if it's a viral video sensation. I know. And then all of a sudden, somebody starts playing that song. And the wedding party starts dancing down the aisle. And so basically, it's a nod to the Soul Train line. So it's a Soul Train line slash wedding moment. And it was hysterical. It was hysterical. It was funny and touching. And it just did the job. And it just stuck in my mind. It warmed my heart. It just, it was, it speaks to the joy. If if you were a fan of the show, you're waiting for Jim and Pam to get together and make it official forever. And to basically see the joy where she just kind of acquiesced, like, you know what? Fine. Do play the song, dance, people. Fine. Have fun. And, Anyway, it was it was beautiful. It was funny, and it was of that moment. And um, try to come up with this list. I was going back and thinking of things where that really kind of uh, stuck in my mind of dance moments, and that definitely was one of them because it also was a nod to the Soul Train line. And for those of you who don't know what the Soul Train line is, is there was a show called Soul Train, which is basically the black version of American Bandstand or the more, um, what's the word I'm looking for, more melanin-rich version of, <laughs> of American Bandstand at the time, which is a show where you had teenagers dancing to current songs. But uh, the difference is that Soul Train seemed to have older, like, adults that were dancing, and there was a lot more grinding. And, um... And the Soul Train line was you have like guys on one side making uh, making a line and girls on the other side and they would and they would dance down the the center aisle together and so that's basically what this whole uh, uh, wedding march dance off thing turned basically was a nod to was the Soul Train line so it's kind of like two uh, two picks in one so uh, Jim and Pam's wedding dance is my number four. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) That was quite an explanation. Thank you very much. Well, I did give it a little bit of thought. A lot of thought. All Um, right. So, Tachi, what is your number three pick? So, you have spoiled one of my picks. (laughs) How could I possibly do that, Tachi? Of course you did with your over-explanation, sir. So, let me go to my app. My number three is actually... The Fly Girls from In Living Color. <gasps> wow, did, did I leave you a gasp, Kevin? No, I have no comment. No comment. I, I, have, I have to change something on my list, but oh, go ahead. Here we go. I love the Fly Girls. I wanted to be a Fly Girl. I thought I could be a Fly Girl. That probably wasn't happening in my house, but I absolutely loved it. So, you know, the... um. 
the background obviously is these were the the dancers on the uh, sketch comedy show in living color from the 90s which was a phenomenon in itself because that was the first time that you really had a multicultural cast doing comedy doing sketch comedy on television uh started by uh damon wayan uh, sorry um keenan ivory wayans and of course all of his brothers and his sister were involved in that endeavor and you know this was like basically our saturday night live because you had every they would have a a person of color every few so often so you had eddie murphy fine and then you every so often there would be a person of color and never any women of color so this was for us this was our saturday night live and we loved it and one of the things that set it apart from like the saturday night live is the fact that they had a dj that played current hip-hop sw1 who was also a wayans brother sean wayans and the fly girls who one of the more famous fly girls was jennifer lopez or j-lo as she likes to go by oh you say one of isn't that the most famous <laughs> was there a who else was i the don't most? yes i i know but they're probably <laughs> famous of. in their own their own right but yeah she went to, on to, to their family members and loved ones yes hey we're all famous to some people <laughs> So, as my uh, good friend Joe Wilson would say. So, yeah, I uh, really, really loved it. And then you would see, of course, they were doing like current dances and things like that. So, because being a dancer, I'm always trying to look and trying to master, you know, <laughs> the, the little the little dances, the dance interludes that they do. So, and th- this is the thing. None of them were really hip-hop dancers. They all had backgrounds in like jazz and uh you know, modern and other types of dance, but they, you know, they killed it with this. So I, that is my number three pick, the Fly well, Girls want... on In Living Color. Go ahead. Okay, I wanted to give a quick shout out to uh to Ellen Cleghorn. She was a black comedian on SNL back in the day. So I just wanted, because you just say there was no, there was a woman uh comedian. There was actually two back in the day. One that was on, uh, I can't remember what her name was, but she was on the show for like 10 seconds. The show I was, was like on. as a regular cast yeah, member. Ellen Cleghorn was a regular member, but but there was a this, this, the, 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 there was a cast that came right after the original cast left the show, and there was a, a, a black uh, comedian, and all I remember is that she had a bit, and I was, I've been searching for it, that I, I remember seeing on a Best of SNL ages ago called That Black Girl, and it was a parody of the Marlo Thomas sitcom from the 60s called That Girl, where someone would say like, well, what's going on? Who, who, did, who did something? And they go, oh, that black girl. And then she turned around with a giant smile <laughs> and a flip. <laughs> so anyway, that's what she did. She was famous for that. And so, um, and then Ellen Cleghorn was on there for a, a couple of seasons. And uh, I think in the early 90s. So anyway. I, I don't want- remember that at all. But I just wanted to give Ellen Cleghorn a shout out. Because I thought okay. that she was, she, she deserved more, uh, more than she got from that show more no, right. so shout out so there was but you know the fact that i couldn't remember exactly really sh- means that they that shows you exactly how how much uh, of spotlight she actually got exactly so they, exactly all, all right. right what's your number three okay so my next pick has to be and this was a hard one because it's i could not not mention it but because of i won't say his name but somebody uh who was a cast member on uh the show destroyed the show for me i was a huge fan of seinfeld until one of the cast members went crazy on stage at a comedy club right. and could not stop saying the n-word so <laughs> so since then they have been canceled to me but 
if I'm going to talk about great dance moments in television, I've got to talk about um, Elaine, the Elaine uh, Bennis. Dance. Elaine, what would you say? The Elaine dance. Yeah, the Elaine dance, where where she basically as at a work function, a work a work uh, a party, uh, office party, and she starts. She uh, no one's dancing. She's like, let me let me get this party started, and then she goes out on the floor and and goes into some kind of weird spasms or something that she thinks is actual dancing, but it was true hysterical and if you've seen it once you will never forget the elaine dance so that that moment in seinfeld is like forever burned into my memory i think okay when people talk about seinfeld and i feel the same way you do it's like when that happens whatever you're canceled so i think the big two moments the two of the bigger moments i shouldn't there are a lot of moments there but three like puffy shirt episode the soup nazi episode and no soup for you. No yes, soup for you. Yes, I will say no whatever for you. So maybe not soup, but whatever. And then um the the Elaine dancing episode. Those are three quintessential episodes that when people oh, what, say what, Seinfeld. What, only I only have to mention one other thing that you didn't mention is is to me, uh you I gotta go with Spongeworthy. Uh, I had friends. We would everything was about something being sponge worthy because there's basically in the episode we're just so off track here. But in the episode, <laughs> Elaine uh, uh, has a favorite uh, birth control device that is no longer to be made. So she goes to uh, and buys up all oh, of the yeah. of, of the sponges in her area, and she has a closet full of them. But then all of a sudden, she becomes more choosy when it comes to sex, and she has to make a decision when a guy's like, "Like, yeah, let's do this," and she's like, "Wait, are you?" sponge worthy yeah she has a limited amount of sexual encounters she can have now so so she's being much pickier now because they stopped making her sponge so is anything like you know is oh are you gonna make uh are you gonna make uh should we get a pizza but is the pizza sponge worthy kevin <laughs> so I'm just like, okay let's get pizza from the good place then so <laughs> wow sponge worthy wow i remember that all right so what is your number two pick so my number two pick is, well, you you talked about Soul Train already. So Soul Train was actually my uh, is my number two pick, um, but we've discussed it ad nauseum. And well, you, what is Soul Train exactly, Tachi? I'm not sure what it is. You know damn well <laughs> what it is. You just gave a whole dissertation on Soul Train, <laughs> sir. So... There's no need for me to go into that. Just know that Soul Train is my number two. So what I'll do instead is put um, another one in its place so you think you can dance. Oh. Yes. Tell us about what what is So You Can Think You Can Dance, Taji. It's a competition show. So most of the dance-related shows you see now are going to be competition-based, whether it's a part of something like America's Got Talent or it's a dance show in and of itself like a World of Dance, which uh, J-Lo and, you know, a few other people are in charge of. <laughs> so a Neo, etc. So I really like So You Think You Can Dance because my background, of course, my background is African dance, but I also have a background background in modern dance so i love to see them break down modern slash contemporary uh they they just are so skilled when you see some of these uh they're not kids these young they're not even young adults young adults is like hardy boys age they're like you know 20 somethings most of them most of them are not teens you probably have to be 18 to be on the show at least but when you see these 20 somethings that are really just there's such joy in the way they do things and they're not all fabulous at everything but they manage to 
to let themselves go enough to get through and to uh, accept what this dance means. So if you're a, a ballet dancer and you're used to ballet, you have to think differently about how your body moves with modern or how your body moves with hip hop. And it challenges you as a dancer. That's why I really love it. Plus this show always uh, debuts, comes out in the summer. So that's the show that said, whoo, summer is here. Whenever, you know, so you think you can dance comes out, you know, summer is here. So it's a hot summer night. That's one of my favorite things to do. Like on a hot summer night, I'll watch so you think you can dance with my cool drink oh wow yeah i agree with you when it comes to that show what what the brilliance of it is watching somebody who is incredibly skilled at a particular kind of dance Mm -hmm. watching somebody who has been street dancing and they're a hip-hop artist and they can just do things that are a bit just blow your mind but then watch them try and dance broadway style in some like bob fossey kind of uh, a choreography something they've never done before watching them stretch and grow as a competition goes on and by the end they are so proficient and so many different things and it's amazing to watch that competition and uh, see who ultimately wins each year yeah it makes you grow as a dancer I mean as a dancer the thing is you can be comfortable and stay in your comfort zone with what you know you do well or you can put your push your boundaries by engaging in other types of dance and that's what I like about so you think you can dance which is my number what is this number two two. yeah my number two so I want to know your your Number two. My second choice. Your second choice. All right. Yeah. All right. So my uh, second place finisher is uh, from a show called My So-Called Life. And um, if you're oh. if you're uh, if you were like a '90s kid or a '90s adult or around in the '90s, might remember if you might remember this episode because this episode was to me a very big episode. It's an episode where uh, uh, Dahlia and uh, Ricky uh, go to a dance together, and the reason they go to a dance together is because uh, Dahlia uh, Brian Krakow basically was supposed to go with Dahlia to the dance, but he drops her like a hot rock. And what is her crime? She's guilty of not. Being being Angela Chase. So, uh, and and for those of you who don't know, Angela Chase uh, was actually played by. Um, oh my God, I can't remember her name right now. She was the. Uh, she's the star of. Um, oh, what's that Showtime show? That she's the star of. Help me. Um, I can't. I don't have. It takes time. place. Oh my God. Well, anyway, uh, for those of you who are fans, you actually are out there telling. You're you're yelling at your device right now, like Kevin. It's blank. But anyway. Um, so uh, anyway, so the the he was uh, mad at her basically because she wasn't the girl that he's been pining after in high school. So she ends up kind of going with this guy named Ricky. Ricky is I I actually can't say the character was in the closet, but the character had been kind of abused and bullied for being different, even though he wasn't I guess officially out or gay yet, but. In this scene where these two characters kind of dance together, they kind of go to the dance together on a whim. What's interesting about the dance to me, A, it was to the Hathaway songs, What is Love, which is so of that moment in time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Baby, don't hurt me no more. Anyway, that that song was so of its time. But what happens is you really see, well, I think that dance is so important is because you actually see the character of Ricky, this closeted gay kid. Um, or bullied gay kid more so than closet because he wasn't really pretending, but he wasn't, he cared about what other people thought. And in the course of him being on the dance floor and dancing to that song, he literally 
like comes out of the closet on the dance floor and doesn't care who's watching or who or, or who's thinking anything and he and Dahlia break it down it is such an incredibly phenomenal moment of dance it's filled with life and joy and happiness and youth and exuberance and freedom and stop he stops holding himself back and he's just going to be who he is damn any everybody else to hell and it is an incredible moment of dance and television and um you've got to look it up so just search for my so-called life dance or dance episode and uh your mind will be blown in fact the show is just a hidden gem it only existed for like a season so if you haven't checked it out check out my so-called life it is everything very quintessential 90s Oh, absolutely. So I can't believe I can't remember her name, the star of the show. Claire Danes. Claire Danes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Claire Danes. And so she's currently uh, on a show on on uh, Showtime, which is, that name is, uh, that show is escaping me right now. But before So she you're useless like, in both counts. But before, but I, I remembered her name. Thank you for not helping me. But the point is <laughs> that before, before she was like a secret agent, she, <laughs> she was, she was a, she was a, a moody nineties uh, teen. Like many moody nineties teens, but that's cool. Okay. I don't, and I don't remember that moment, but okay. Very cool. So what was your fate? What is your number one pick? Taji? Oh, 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 oh. oh, my number one pick. Um, oh, but before you go, I was going to say Homeland is the show I was trying to remember. Homeland. The name okay. 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 Yeah. All right. That w- I wouldn't have, I would have been no, no help. So I just have um, a few. Oh, words. do you have some runners up? No. Are you cheating? Okay, I'm not. Che- See, look at you. Be still. <laughs> If I say to you, baby, look at me and tell me what you see. You ain't seen the best of me yet. Give me time. I'll make you forget the rest. I got more in me and you can set it free. I can catch the moon in my hands. Don't you know who I am? Oh, my God. Tachi, I remember your name. It's fame. Yes. Tachi, you're going to live forever. Thank you. And I'm going to learn how to fly. Hi. Yes. (laughs) Tachi, I feel it coming together. People will see me and cry. Fame. Fame. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That is my number one pick of all time. Thank goodness that it was also a series. <laughs> it was a mo- yes, it was a movie, but it was also a, a TV series that TV had a series. lot of different uh, uh, kids uh, come and go, and one of them was a, a young Janet Jackson. Yes, yes, Janet Jackson was there. Um, Nia Peoples, who used to be married to Howard Hewitt, or maybe they're still married. I don't know. Uh, there were there were it was just there were some of the cast members from the original Fame the movie who were also in the television series but there were an awful lot of new ones as well and every time the funny thing is and i I can never remember his name the uh one that played sergeant torres in um new york undercover oh i know i know you're talking about i don't know i don't know i don't know his name but yes he was one of the background he was one of the background dancers yeah so every time the funny thing is to see him dancing in the background and then all of a sudden new york undercover comes into oh wait that's the guy from fame (laughs) 
so well, I, you know, he he was wearing a Twenty One Jump Street thing where he was working undercover at the school as a as a dancer. There you he go. Was really a cop behind the scenes. There you go. Okay, so now it makes perfect sense. But I'm also I also love Debbie Allen. She is an amazing dancer. She just has this this spirit in her dancing that is and you know also because she is a Howard alum I'm I'm um I was all about it so I love fame of course the movie but we're talking about television now so the television series I absolutely love that came on on Saturdays too for some reason uh you know a lot of tv came on Saturdays and that that was the thing so I watched fame religiously it went on for a few seasons uh, before it got canceled and you know um I loved Leroy. Leroy from fame was everything. In fact, my thing now is like when I get my hair braided and I'm telling that because I like to, you know, get cornrows every once in a while. I'm like, I need you to do some slants and stuff because I, if you do a straight back, I don't want to look like Leroy from fame. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Wow. That's a fun reference for your hairdresser. It I'm is. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> it is. So fame is my number one. Just the different stories. The dancing. There was always dancing in it too. The song was there too. Because it was supposed to be about the high school of the arts um, in, in New York. What is it called? LaGuardia High School of the Arts in New I York? I thought it was just called. They called it the High School of Performing Arts. I don't know if, I don't know if it actually had a yeah, name. Yeah, it does actually have a name. I think it's. Uh, I want to say it's LaGuardia. I could be wrong. But it, there was an actual name to it. So you know I don't remember the show. I don't remember the school's name. So apparently it yeah. was not that famous. <laughs> well, to New Yorkers <laughs> it is. And there, I know some people who went to that school. And I'm like, were you all really dancing on, on tables and stuff? And they were like, yeah, basically. So it was a very, <laughs> very artistic place, a very artistic school. Um, the Dance seemed to be the very center of focus for the show i guess because you know the song was there too acting was there too but there was just something about the dance i think that brought the energy which is why they chose to focus on it so fame is my number one choice well one of the interesting things about the show fame that's an excellent pick uh tachi because uh, was the fact that the show actually was originally on nbc and it was on nbc for i think about two seasons and it mm-hmm. got canceled but then it came back as a syndicated uh, uh a uh, a new syndicated series and and um, it was one of the that was one of the groundbreaking uh, shows. Uh, that was something that really wasn't done. Uh, having new dramas, uh, come, having a show come go away and then come back as a syndicated show and have new life and be successful. So a lot of people came and went from that show. So again, it was b- b- before we had to call her Miss Jackson because I guess we weren't that nasty yet. She was on that show and it was everything. So again, excellent pick, Tachi. Thank you very much. So, Kevin, what is your number one pick? All right. Um, I'm going to go way back to a little decade known as the 90s. 1990 to be precise. And it's a VMA performance that I think was a major game changer. It was a bright-eyed young girl by the name of Madonna. And she hit the stage and in full Marie Antoinette garb, that whole, just like, and she had the world's biggest, tallest, like, powdered wig on. And she had these, like, a whole bunch of dancers that were dressed of, like, you know, like, uh, you know, 16th century footmen or whatever but some of them were wearing like you know like daisy duke shorts for some reason um because i guess because it was madonna and this performance was like the production values were off the charts there was even a uh a fainting 
uh, couch of uh, of that from that period, that like Queen Anne kind of uh, uh, set decoration and everything. And before that, there weren't just these big show numbers on uh, at the M- uh, at the VMAs. This what we see now, what we know the VMAs to be now, the kind of performances we see now during award shows with tons of dancers and huge set pieces and costume changes. I believe that all started with this Madonna's performance of Vogue in 1990 because nobody had seen anything quite like it to completely reimagine the song and, and, and have it portrayed in such a, a way that we couldn't even perceive of and having it be a nod to Marie Antoinette was just like, blowing and so because the choreography and everything and at one point there are uh, her and her backup dancers are all have like fans and they're fanning themselves and they flip the fans in the air and all kinds of stuff and madonna lifts up her uh her gown and underneath it you see like these like petticoats or whatever and she's grinding and everything nothing had ever been done quite like it before and i believe that was that was a marked a marked line when it come to, came to television performances at award shows as far as in what you could do with music how to reimagine the songs how to make something fresh a song that's been out for almost a year how do you re, how do you re-energize it do you remix it and you change the costumes and the way we think of the song that was all her brainchild wow that's a really good pick that's a really good pick yeah, so that's why it's my number one pick of dance moments on television, Tachi. I can't believe we've done it. We 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 named all the best dance moments of TV ever. And we got to review a really cool show, Fosse Verdon. Yes. Okay. <laughs> all right. So-, <laughs> so, Tachi, if people want to listen to other episodes of TV channeling, because there's so many, where can people go check out our pack, our back catalog, which is packed with great entertainment? No excuse. We've got like 50 some odd episodes you can listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes slash Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Tune in radio, Spotify. You can also go to tvchanneling.com and listen that way. If you Google us, you'll find us on a bunch of other podcast listening apps. And the coolest thing, we are live 5 p.m. on Tuesdays, 2 p.m., 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific on Tuesdays. And the same thing on Fridays on WJMS Radio. So you can listen live or on demand. And Kevin, maybe they want to leave us a comment or a question about something they heard on the show or maybe make a suggestion and you want to reach us on social. How can they do that? All right. We are everywhere on social. We're on Snapchat. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook and on my personal favorite, Twitter. And we would love to hear from you. So if there is a show that you want us to review or something's going on in pop culture that you want to hear our take on, let us know. And we would appreciate a follow while you're at it. And if you're going to do that, if you're going to follow us on social, you may as well leave us a positive review uh, for the show. Uh, on the platform you're listening on so we would love that too because if you're hearing me say this you listen to the whole show so you pretty much owe us a positive review and on that everybody has stopped listening but we thank you for listening to this (laughs) particular episode it's because of you that we do it and we love you for listening with that we're going to sign off the way we always do bye from tachi and goodbye from kevin and remember if you're dancing i mean if you're watching it (laughs) we're talking about it with bob fossey cheers 
Jazz hands. <laughs> <laughs>